Welcome to Beauty is Eternal, in-depth interviews that inspire. I'm your host, Caitlin. Our episode today is called Starlet Pianist Olga Sheps, From Chopin to Scooter to Ein Audi. Olga Sheps is one of the modern faces of classical music. Not only is she a prolific pianist who has reached number one on the German charts and released nine CDs, she also has a massive social media following and has helped to bring a love of classical music to a young generation. I sat down with Olga in her studio in the heart of Cologne to discuss her passion for the piano, how she recently became a mother, why she values honesty and hence has enemies, the process for recording albums, and much more. Olga began playing piano at age five. Born in Moscow, her parents moved to Germany in 1992, where she studied at the Cologne Academy of Music. She won the German musical competition Jugendmusiert, which means Youth Makes Music, in 1999, which led to her performing at the Rheingau Music Festival, followed by the Ruhr Piano Festival, where she still performs. Olga has been signed to Sony Classical for over a decade and has just recorded her ninth album, made together with the Kuss Quartet. She previously reached number one on the German charts with her 2016 album, which featured Eric Satie. She also won the Echo Award in the category of Young Artist of the Year for her album Chopin. Her 2019 album Melody was nominated for two Opus Classic Awards. Olga has worked with Arya Vardy, Dmitry Bashkirov, Andrei Gavrilov and Alfred Brenda and is advised by her former professor Pavel Gililov as well as her parents who are both pianists. She is also a member of the select group of Steinway artists. Olga's repertoire is incredibly diverse. She performs not only famous classics such as Bach and Tchaikovsky, but also songs by modern musicians like the Aphex Twins and Ludovico Einaudi, and even scooter songs such as Hyper Hyper. You can read more about Olga on her website as well as see her concert schedule on her website, olgasheps.com. You can also keep up to date with Olga by checking her out on Instagram or on Facebook, where her username is Olga Sheps. Before we begin, I want to tell you a little anecdote that when I was talking to you about during the interview, my boyfriend was with one of his friends on a ski trip in Austria, and I was on your Instagram, and then I saw that his friend was liking all of your stuff. And I was like, oh, sweetie, you should tell your friend I'm interviewing Olga. I guess he's her fan because he's liking all her stuff on Instagram. Oh, cool. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> That's so nice. <laughs> well, thank you for making time for me today, Olga. You're an amazing pianist and you're really beautiful, really sweet, really funny. So I'm so excited. Thanks for being here. <laughs> visiting me <laughs> anytime <laughs> what were your early experiences like playing the piano in Moscow 
I left Moscow with my family when I was six years old. And I remember so much about the city, about the energy, about our life and the piano always being a part of our life. It was in our flat and this instrument is very visible and it has a very strong character. So if this instrument is in the room, I think the focus is on, on this instrument. And of course it has a very characteristic sound and it was always there. So I don't remember a life without piano. Of course, there are many, many memories of my childhood in Moscow, but the strongest memories are feelings. And I remember just having so much fun to sit at the piano and to have the feeling that I can express something. And yeah, this is a memory which is there and which was always there. There was no life without piano. <laughs> <laughs> Then we moved to Germany when I was six and my sister is three years older than me. We moved to Germany to a completely new life and the thing that stayed was the piano. So it had always a very important role in my life, somehow. <laughs> I can imagine that moving to a completely new country and a totally new culture, a lot of things were changing in your life. Yes. <laughs> so it sounds like piano was one of the things that stayed consistent for you. Yes, absolutely. And I think that also in the life of my parents, it was something that played a big role. They met through music and they are both musicians. They have to do with piano music. And I think that it's something very important for them, for their life together, for them as a couple also. And it can play so many roles, the piano. So <laughs> when I came to Germany, I started to go to school like two months after we arrived here and I was the only person in my class who could not speak German. There were any other Russians in my class and thinking now about this situation I'm very happy that it happened this way because that made me learn German as my mother language and I'm fluent in German and That's a good thing. I, I would never learn German that well if I would have Russian friends in my school time. But that was tough because I couldn't communicate at all. I, I could say some phrases and that's it. And that was tough. But yeah, it made me learn the language and that's a good thing. <laughs> How long was it before you felt comfortable speaking in German from when you started in school? I think that it took some time. I was very, very shy when I was in school and I was many years like this. I really was super, super shy and I think I became more self-confident on only after fifth, sixth or seventh class in school. So it was a long process. <laughs> and were you playing piano all of this time? through your childhood once you moved to Germany? Yes, I did. It was always a very emotional thing for me and a thing that I liked to do where I could express myself and it was always something I could talk about 
with my family, with my parents, with my sister, it was something that was always there and it was always very important for me somehow. And till now, I have this space performing where I can hide from everything and where I can think about things and I can think about very well when I play. I, I don't know, maybe there is some science about it or, or not, but I have the feeling that my brain works in a different way when I when I play. I have often the situation that solutions for problems or new ideas or new thoughts visit my head when, when I play or I memorize some things or some important thoughts come to my mind when I play. So it is a very important space for me to have this possibility to sit at the piano and play. And I can put so many emotions in my music and it doesn't matter what happens in my life, everything, all of this, I can put in there and I can think about it. And it's a very important place for me. It's more than just performing and enjoying the music. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like piano is something you can turn to whenever you want to think about something or sort through something. It sounds almost like it's therapeutic for you. Maybe sometimes. <laughs> I can think about different things uh, really well when I play. But of course it's only one aspect of many, many aspects. Of course I, I love the sound of this piano because it's very colorful. It has very high notes, very low notes. It has so many different opportunities, sound opportunities. I can express so much and there is simply so much great music, beautiful music for piano. It's not possible for uh, me as a pianist to learn and to perform everything what is there. And I have always the case that I have music pieces that I want to learn. I have music pieces that I have to learn. And it's like the time is like this. And what I want to learn is like endless. <laughs> because it's, it's so much so much great music for piano. And there are still composers who write more music now, right now. Which absolutely worth to discover. And there is still so much great music to discover from like four centuries ago. Mm -hmm. So there's an endless source of beauty and joy and discoveries and everything <laughs> that's that's great oh, that is beautiful <laughs> to hear both of your parents are pianists when you were growing up and you were playing piano it sounds like it was something that came from passion and from love yes definitely did you think when you were young, maybe you'd be a professional pianist or did it happen spontaneously? This is a question that I asked myself when I was around 14, 15, 16 years old. And I played the piano as a child because the piano was there. I loved it and my parents performed. They teached me to play the piano and I found a lot of fun and joy in uh, making music but of course there is this moment where you just start to think about your future what's the thing that you want to do in the future and I thought about different opportunities because I have many different interests but 
I have always the feeling that I want to come back to my instrument and there is something really great missing in my life when I stop performing. I had a couple of weeks where I stopped practicing, stopped performing because I had school, I had friends, I had like other things that I wanted to do and I wanted to find out how I would feel without piano because I never knew a life without playing piano every day or maybe there were one day where I didn't perform both played or sit at least uh, half an hour at the piano but yeah I found out that I really miss it if I don't play yeah then I started to uh, participate in different national young performers competitions and I got invitations to perform concerts and I was always very happy about every single invitation and I'm still very happy about every single invitation <laughs> and it's so much fun so I just can't imagine my life without piano <laughs> so I'm, I'm happy that I can do it as, a, as my profession because I can do what I love and that's big luck I think I think all your fans are happy too <laughs> <laughs> What was your experience at the Cologne Academy like? And this is a very well-known music school. What was it like to study there? Oh, that was a really cool time for me. I met many very nice people. I made new friends. And it is a very good university. It's a good place to study. And in the time when I studied, there were also many 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 violinists and cellists and other musicians and people who have so many things in common with me and yeah that was fun i studied a very long time i think i studied more than 10 years <laughs> <laughs> and i have nearly only good memories of this time and i made many friends who went back to their home countries after the studying time and other people went to different orchestras to different places and i travel a lot and i meet them everywhere around the world again and that's so nice to come back to spain to israel to japan to wherever and to meet people who i studied with <laughs> that, that, that's really cool we have many nice memories together and it was a good time, yeah. <laughs> good memories. It was while you were studying there in 1999 that you won the musical competition Jugend Musiert? Yes. Yeah, Jugend Musiert is a competition which is very well known because it's very big and there are many people who join this competition. It's for young musicians and it's a very cool place to perform, to meet other people and to have first experiences of performing on stage, to meet different people. It's, it was a very, very cool experience for me also. And I had the chance to show what I can do. And after this competition, I got some invitations to really cool festivals where I really still love to perform and yeah this is where it all started for me when you went back to the academy after you won this competition was everybody really excited for you did that change your experience there that suddenly you were in the public eye there is this difference between studying 
something and then start working after you finished your study. This is the usual way to, to learn something and to work. But as a musician, it is a bit different. You have to yeah, like work, perform and study at the same time. And it was nothing special, I think, that people perform or people have success somewhere or do not have success. It's, it's a process. And I could talk about all this with my friends there because this is an experience which many other people have and had. And it was always the case that we had to balance between work, playing in an orchestra, performing as a soloist and still, of course, do all the study stuff done. So, yeah, that was not only in my case something that was normal. It sounds like that was a very supportive environment yeah. for you to be in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was. Yeah, and I'm still here in Cologne. Most of my friends from this time already left Cologne, but we're all still in contact and see each other everywhere around the world. And yeah, <laughs> some, some friends of mine went back to Moscow. Some friends of mine went to different cities, so they are everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but this is the nice thing about my profession also that I yeah I meet many cool people and I travel and then I can see them again and that's cool <laughs> <laughs> that's a huge advantage <laughs> after you finished at the academy you signed a contract with Sony Classical where you've been signed for over a decade now yes <laughs> <laughs> What has this experience been like for you? Yes, I signed the Sony contract in 2009 and I still studied at this time. I was in the middle of my, my study time and I was, of course, really excited about this. I was really excited to record my... Actually, my second CD was my first CD with Sony Classical and I decided to... Actually, my favorite composer or one of my favorite composers is Frédéric Chopin. And I was very happy that we made the first CD together with really one of my absolutely favorite composers. And it was really exciting. <laughs> <laughs> and when you record new albums, do you have total artistic freedom? Do you get support in terms of they connect you with people who help produce albums? What's it like? We talk with each other what we would like to do and there is always the big question about timing because I need time to learn pieces and to find myself into this music and sometimes I need more time, sometimes I need less time. Actually I'm a very quick learner but I still need to have this feeling that I'm ready to record something. And I'm very happy that we can talk about these things. This is really important, I think. And my credo, as you can say, is that I record only music that I really feel, that really love, because everything else would not make sense. It would not make me happy. It would not make my audience happy. So I try to be very honest with myself and ask myself, am I ready to record this piece now? And if I answer this question with yes, then <laughs> then I do the recording. And I'm happy that we did many 
different experiments also and a couple of years ago I felt like I would like to record a full album with music by Eric Satie. It is beautiful piano music which is very well known but it's well known especially through yeah, movies or like things that happen outside the concert hall. Eric Satie is not a common composer who you would listen to in a, in a solo recital. Actually, there have been a few pianists who played Eric Satie before. And I love this music so much and I recorded an album with Eric Satie and that felt right for me. Or a year ago I recorded Piano Quintet by Mstislav Weinberg with Kuss Quartet. It's a very, very, very good quartet from Berlin. And I learned this piece many years ago and performed it many times and I felt like now I'm ready to record this. Um, this is the main question for me, when I'm ready to record something. And these are things that we talk about and this is how it goes. It's a question of communication with each other because it's very important for me to have the feeling that I'm ready to record a piece. And sometimes I need like a couple of years to really have the feeling that I would like to record something. At the same time, I'm a very quick learner, but if I record something, I really need this feeling that, okay, I'm now at this point where I want to like put it on, on the recording and let it there forever. And these are things that are very important because if I would record something where I don't feel like I'm ready to record it, then I would not make myself happy. I would not make the audience happy. And these are things we talk about. So that's a very important point. How do you kind of make a piece your own if you're recording something written 200 years ago that other people have recorded? How do you kind of put your feelings and your identity into it? Well, that's actually really easy, I must say, because these works are written by human beings like us and it's most of the times absolutely clear what the music is about. And there are also informations about the composers, about their personality, about their lives, about what happened while they wrote this piece or that piece. And sometimes the pieces have names so you can absolutely know what the work is about. Sometimes it's a sonata or a symphony or whatever and but the music it speaks from itself and I think that that it's obvious for example what Chopin wrote about for me it's something that I that I feel out of this music all this uh, lyrical honest way of expressing his feelings his thoughts and I think especially the music from Frédéric Chopin is very personal and I can relate to this so well. And if I can't relate to music, then I don't play it because it's like the chemistry between two people. You understand each other or you don't understand each other. And if you don't, then you can work on that, but why? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Nothing can replace the natural chemistry that sometimes occurs. Yes, that's the same thing with music and I think it's not important when the music was wrote. I think what the music is about is the same that we feel today. 
The differences are styles, styles of performing, styles of the, the fashion of the sounds and the fashion of performing from this time, the style, the this this specific aura. But the point is always the same. There is no difference between from what country the music come from or from what century. There is absolutely no difference because there there are all the same thoughts, feelings, struggles that we all have. Do you use any of your own experiences as inspiration when you are playing? Or do you try and connect to the thoughts and the feelings of the composer? I think both, because it's not possible to not use my own feelings. It's not about me when I play, it's about the piece and what happens in the piece. But as a human being, as somebody who relates to the other human being who wrote this piece of art, I, of course, try to understand all these things through my experiences and through my feelings and I try to become this person who wrote this music and try to understand what was going through his head or her head and the heart, the soul, all this. Of course it's also part of me and a very personal part of me in my performances especially when I play live because I think that I completely show everything what I feel when I'm on stage and this is what music is about it's about telling everything what is maybe not possible to be described with words it's even more and it's very personal <laughs> <laughs> you have mentioned your love of Chopin is he your favorite to perform what do you love to perform the most I love Frederic Chopin it's always part of my solo recitals. If I don't have Chopin in my solo recital, then I perform Chopin as an encore. There's always a piece of Chopin in, in the evening. <laughs> it's just one of my absolutely favorite composers ever. It's something that I, I can relate to so well. It's, it's maybe a question of chemistry. And I think the most beautiful pieces for piano ever well written by Frederick Chopin. That's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, based on that, I have some advice for a concert hall where you're next going to be performing. They should make sure there's no Chopin in what your, your repertoire that you're supposed to play. And then they'll get an encore for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, I can't even remember. I, I think about it right now. Because I, I'm doing it by... By accident, I, I didn't plan to perform Chopin in every evening, but I can't remember a concert without playing at least one piece by Chopin. <laughs> yeah. What would you say is the most difficult thing to perform? Mm, I think difficult is something that we don't feel from the first time. And that's it. I think when there is a passion and the wish to be able to perform something, then it's not difficult because there some power comes out of you and gives you this trained and the everything you need to, to learn this piece and to be able to perform it. And I think it's a question of passion 
and question of what you want. If you really want something, then it can be the hardest thing in the world, but it will be not that hard for you because you have this passion. Passion is something incredible, actually. And if you have no passion, then maybe the easiest things in life will be a struggle for you. So it's maybe a question of really to have a passion about something and to really want something, I think. <laughs> I think you're right. That is very well said, Olga. <laughs> that leads me to another question. Does it ever happen that you perform something that you don't have a passion for? Mm, yes, I had those experiences. And this is why I decided to never perform pieces that I don't love. This is my credo. And even if this is a very well-known, very well-respected composer and everyone loves this piece, if I don't feel it, I, I just can't play it. I had one recording where I had to perform a piece by a composer who I love so much. It's Franz Schubert. I recorded many different pieces uh, by Franz Schubert and there was this one little piece by him and I threw it out of the album because I could play it. It was not difficult for me to play it, but I <laughs> just simply couldn't feel that and I played it like 20 times in the recording session <laughs> and then we said, come on, <laughs> forget it, <laughs> don't play it. And the other pieces were maybe pianistically much more difficult I would play it once and that is it so it's yeah <laughs> something maybe sometimes you can't predict but now I ask myself the first sign the first moment with a piece and then I decide <laughs> yeah, it's, it's important to be honest with with yourself and ask yourself if you want to do something or not and it's a very individual question so pieces which are very popular it doesn't mean that you would love them and the absolutely opposite a piece which is not well known can become your absolutely favorite piece so it's a completely individual question it sounds like you're very able to be honest with yourself about mm. what you think and what you feel about things i try i think honesty is a very important part of being an artist i really like to be honest with my performances with me being on stage share what i want to say with music but also in my daily life i i'm honest with other people and i think that maybe this is the reason that i also have enemies but i don't want to be treated in a different way because i think to be not honest with somebody is it's it's a waste of time if you uh, pretend to be or to feel something that you don't feel or then you simply spend your time with wrong activities with wrong people and there is no sense at all to be dishonest and this is the thing that is also yeah very important for me when i choose my repertoire so <laughs> it's an important point you remind me of something that I've read before, that it's less common for us to lie to others, it's more common for us to lie to ourselves. If we can't be honest with ourselves, then we can't be honest with other people, probably. Yeah, that's true. 
It sounds like you're very able to listen to your body, actually. Yes, it became even more in the last years. And I really expect this from others because I experienced also the situations where people were not honest with me. And I, I hate that. I hate that when people are not honest. It's a question of respect. Just people who lie to me. It's, it's only one uh, example is when people are totally over-friendly because they think that I'm a famous pianist and that's why they have to be so super nice. And of course, it's, it's important to be polite and friendly. But if you're not honest with me, then you take my opportunity to improve or to change my behavior or to e explain myself. And it's absolutely the same with being a musician, a performing artist and deal with the, the, the work of other people, then it, it's absolutely the same like in real life dealing with other people. You have to be very respectful with what they give to you <laughs> and ask yourself if this is something that you can really relate to and feel this and love it and yeah, it's absolutely the same like in uh, relationships between people. Well, in a way, when you lie to somebody, you steal from them. You steal yeah. the chance for them to learn from something or, like you said, explain themselves or correct yeah. a situation. It's not necessary at all. Absolutely. And, yeah. Can I ask you? <laughs> you mentioned you have enemies. Oh, yes. Maybe not everyone likes this to hear the truth, but I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I like it more to be honest. Of course, I'm I'm polite, but that's the way I want to be treated, and that's the way I treat others. And this is the way also I treat the music that I perform. <laughs> <laughs> so my parents were musicians. They met at music school. Yeah, and my father is a chiropractor now. So I went over the questions with him that I want to ask you before, and he said to me. Well, Caitlin, you have to make sure to ask her what injury prevention methods she's using. I see. Because you're training a lot using your hands, your yeah. wrists, your forearms. Do you do any special strength training or how do you make sure you don't develop tendonitis, for instance? That's a very important topic and I'm very scared of injuries. And not only about my hands, also about my back and about my legs, because any kind of injury would harm the performance. Because you, you also you play with your feet, you use the pedals, you have to feel comfortable with your whole body. And this is why I, I'm very careful with what I eat and how I behave. I have to feel healthy. This is very important. And with performing, there is one rule. This is maybe part of... Yeah, Russian piano school or I don't know where it came from but I think this is a very important rule that you keep your hand hands relaxed and you never block if you start to block and then you perform then you have tension mm. then you have this danger that you will have an injury and sometimes when I'm performing and it's very intense I, I can maybe ignore by accident some little kinds of pain but most of the times i stop playing when there is a tension and i let my hands hang down and feel this freedom and 
this is not only the prevention of injuries. This is the most important topic for me to perform relaxed because the relaxed arm gives you the possibility to sing and to make an, a tone which is alive. And when, when you block your hand and you, you play like this, then the tone will sound like something metallic, like something dead. And the more life you have, the more relaxed you are, the more life you can put in, into this instrument. And there are so many reasons for really take care of this and be relaxed while you play. And I'm lucky that I never had serious injuries with my hands and I'm sure that this is because I take care of freedom when I play. I've seen you also wear some very high heels when you perform on stage. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Are you practicing in them beforehand? Do you have to be more careful when you're performing in heels? Actually, there is no big difference performing in heels or not, but I have quite long legs and if I wear very high heels, then my knee touches this space here <laughs> and that can hurt after a time and I don't know sometimes I feel like I, I want to wear high heels but sometimes I play in flats because then I have the feeling of contact with the ground and that uh, yeah feels sometimes better the most important thing for me is to feel well on stage and it's not the most important thing that I like look totally well sometimes I don't think about how I look at all when I go on stage because it's about something different <laughs> are you nervous when you're performing ever um, yes I'm still nervous and this is strange for me because when I started to perform I was also nervous and I thought that if I would perform more often I would be less nervous but it never changes. I'm always nervous before the concert. And even if I perform a small concert, even if I perform a private concert, what I love to do also, I'm always nervous. There's always this adrenaline before the concert. And the two hours before the concert, this is always a very special feeling. And this is never like something you get used to. Every time... It is a new concert, it's every time a new situation, it's often new music or new orchestra, new conductor, new hall, new people, and yeah, <laughs> it's always something new. There is no routine. That's what's going to be my next question. Do you have a, <laughs> a pre-performance pre routine? This is the thing that I'm, I'm always nervous before I go on stage and the first 10 minutes of being on stage I am nervous, then I get busy with the music so much that the nervosity is not so present anymore, but it's always there, always. And there is no routine because no evening is the same like the next evening, even if I perform the same program, even if I perform at the same place. There are so many things that always make a solo evening a very special moment and a very special atmosphere. And it's not possible to produce the same atmosphere at the second time. It, it, it will be different. The performance 
will be different and the performance will be different from the other evening and even if I try to copy this performance because I like this so much mm-hmm. to the next evening it will not work out and there are sometimes things that I realize on stage and this is so unpredictable and I can only be as well prepared as I can and always improve and then I go on stage and I don't know how it will go for 100%. For like 80% I know, but the rest, 20% I'm completely like naked on stage. (laughs) And yeah, that that makes it always so alive and always so interesting and always so exciting. And there is never a routine. There is never anything that it feels to me like, okay, I did this before already. It's always something new. That's crazy. (laughs) And that's why I'm still nervous before the concert and every time before every concert I feel like okay well I have the feeling that I never did this before (laughs) that's yeah that's crazy (laughs) how much does a different audience affect your performance because you mentioned it's always different is it sort of like if the audience has this type of feeling you play this type of way how does that work we are connected through a very special level, the level where we all somehow understand each other and understand what we feel and we share this moment together and this is a very intimate moment and this is the unpredictable thing if there is this connection or if there is a different kind of connection and yeah there are sometimes very simple things that can influence the connection between the audience and me and of course it's the piece it's the character of the piece it's the emotion of the piece but sometimes uh, something funny happens or something unpredictable happens or something not nice happens and it changes the atmosphere and the whole completely and the time of the concert or the weather or everything can affect this this atmosphere and I think this is a great thing about a live concert especially with music which was maybe written centuries ago or even now which is performed without any playback without any like stage show light show there is nothing there is only this natural instrument and the person and there is no more intimate way of communication through music than this and I think this is something that can't be completely replaced through videos. This is something you can only experience when you are there and when you have the possibility to experience this with all of your <laughs> body and feelings and everything. And I love videos and I love YouTube and streams and this is everything really, really great. And I'm thankful that we have this opportunity to share everything in the internet. This is absolutely great. But at the same time, I think that there will never be something that can replace the special magic of a live concert. <laughs> I agree with you. I recently saw Ludovico Einaudi perform in Berlin with a violist and a violinist. Mm-hmm. And when you're watching it live, you see how much of the body is going into the movement. You see how physical it is. You kind of see it's like the instrument is a part of the body in some way. Yeah, yeah. Part of the body, part of the soul. and there is so much more that can be told with music than with words. Many in my case, because I'm used to to express so much through music, but I think that 
there's really so much that can be expressed through music and there's something really special. One thing I wanted to ask you is that when we look at somebody on the outside, we see how they appear. We see them on a video or in a picture, but there's always a lot more depth to your person. And I wanted to ask you about the difficulties that you've had in your life, the struggles that you've had, if you're willing to talk about something. Sure. That somebody who looks at you, they would think, oh, she'd never have that problem or she's never had a problem with that. I think that's absolutely not true that I do not have problems. My life and myself is far from perfect. And I think it's important to work on yourself, to improve what you can give. And this is the most important thing that you try to improve and you try to be good in whatever role you are. Because when we live we have different roles we have a role as a friend as a partner as whoever and as a musician and it's important to improve and to do your best everywhere yeah (laughs) (laughs) well you recently took on a new role last year you became a mother for the first time (laughs) (laughs) yes i have a little boy now maxim and that's yeah that's absolutely beautiful to have a child and love him more than everything in the world and (laughs) that's a really crazy really beautiful experience life-changing experience and i think this is also an example of very individual situations because there is no perfect i think i'm in the situation right now where I became mother, my boyfriend and I, we became parents. We are not only a couple, we are parents. This is a new role for both of us. And I'm a musician, a curious, hardworking musician. I'm a friend. I have so many different roles now. And the role of being a parent came into my life and became the most important of all of them. And I experienced that there is something in my life that is the most important for me. My child is the most important uh, person for me. The most important uh, uh, thing in my life is to to care for him and to get sure that yeah, I can give him everything that he needs. And my day is 24 hours long and sometimes it's... Um, yeah, it's, it's a question for me how, how I balance everything that I not forget one role. And I, I'm, I'm a mother now that I not forget the role of still being a partner, a good partner, try to be a good one, or that I still do my travels and I let my child at home with his father or my mom is very supportive, my father is very supportive, my my. Um, my family is very supportive I'm very very thankful (laughs) I'm really happy that I have them around me and I have to find out the right balance between all these roles yeah well it's definitely 
as a woman, when you want to have a family and a career and friends and a partnership, there are a lot of different things that you need to be aware of and you need to balance. Yeah, the thing is that you had a life before and a baby or a child needs happy parents. You can't give up everything because after a time it would not make yourself happy. But this is what you want. This is my experience that I have my child and in the moment when I hold him I, I forget everything about uh, around me. And I, I think I figured out a balance now. I started to perform when he was two months. I started already to, to perform and to travel and we traveled together with my uh, boyfriend and we experienced so much together and it was for me such a beautiful experience to come back from a concert and to meet my family in the hotel room. That was an experience that I didn't have before because I travel most of the time by myself and I come back to my hotel room and I'm alone and now still sometimes they travel with me because it's important for a baby to be close to 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 his mother yeah and it's very interesting and i think that there are sometimes these different roles that you have to balance but there is sometimes a moment where you just want to sit on the couch and stare at the wall and this is okay this is the thing that it's important to realize and to accept that this is okay, that you can't do all these roles at the same time 100% great. It's, it's not possible. Sometimes you have to choose. And in this situation, the most important thing, I think, is to have an open communication. Because without an open, really honest communication, there is no possibility to grow as a family or as a couple or as an artist or as whoever. I'm the same also in my uh, business and the people who I deal with in my profession. I'm always honest because this is the only way to grow together and to find out what is important for, for, for you, what is important for me, how can we fix it out, how can we figure it out and, and fix it and find a good solution. And the same thing is very important as, as parents and as a couple also. And yeah, yeah. So my, my life is full of different things right now. <laughs> <laughs> And is Maxime sleeping through the night now? Not yet. He did, but um, he had a flu last week and he cried so much. And I was there for him the whole day, carrying him around. And he is well now again. And he's much better now and now he sleeps again. But he, he wakes up once or twice a night now. <laughs> but that's totally fine I think that there is no perfect balance there is no perfect balance between all these roles I, I think it's important to decide every day what's right and what's the most important thing now not to forget yourself not to forget your own needs and communicate open about everything this is so 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 important and your boyfriend and your parents, they're able to help take on some of the 
caretaking for your baby or sometimes yeah. if you have to train or practice or yes i still practice here in my practice room as long as i need he has a fantastic contact with his father his father is very supportive and my mom is there my dad is there i i'm very lucky that they are around me and they support me because without this support i, I don't know how i could manage that because it's big responsibility it's now not uh, only the responsibility for myself or for my life it's the main responsibility for my baby and it's not possible to do everything on yourself it's it's still not possible if people support you to do 100% in all of these roles and support is so 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 important in this situation and I'm very lucky that I have my parents and my boyfriend next to me and no yeah, endless thanks to them <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm curious to know, you speak native Russian, native mm. German, yes. what, <laughs> what are the plans to teach Maxim? Yeah, this is the situation right now. I talk Russian with my parents and yeah, when my mother visits us or we visit my parents, my son and my parents, we all talk Russian. With my boyfriend, I talk German. So when we are at home and our home, like my boyfriend and I, then we talk German. With his family, there is also German. And now I'm the person who talks both languages. And I don't want to bring him in a trouble or somehow. But on the other side, I know that kids can learn so fast. And I try to to speak these two languages in exact situations. When I'm alone with him, I talk Russian. When I'm with my family, we talk Russian. And when his father is there or his family, his friends, we talk German. I hope this is the right way. I'm not sure this is how I think it's right because if I would talk only Russian, then I couldn't communicate with his father. If I would talk only German, then his communication in Russian would be limited to two people in his life. And I really want him to learn Russian. I think it's a good opportunity to grow into this bilingual thing because then he will be able to speak two languages. And I, I think it's important. I try to teach him both languages. I hope this is the right way. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's much easier to learn languages for children. Yes. And it's a huge advantage as they develop because then they know different ways to express things. I'm sure there are things in Russian you can express that you can't express in German. So phrases yeah. and, you know, <laughs> idiosyncratic yeah. things that... That's true, yeah. It gives you the perspective. I can say it like this. I can say it like that. Yes, that's true. Russian... For example, has many phrases and words that you can't translate to German. And this is not only the language, this is culture and this are his roots. He has Russian roots. And I would be happy if my son would talk Russian and German. So I try. <laughs> <laughs> 
Russian is a tough language. I studied for a couple of years, and it's really hard. It's much harder than German. No offense to German. Okay. But I think it really helps, you know, mental development to learn all this specifications of the Russian languages. It's such a hard yeah. language. It's a different yeah. script and everything. So yeah, the grammar is complicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but German also has its complicated things the articles for example or i think every language has its own soul and culture and things yeah i hope that he will talk russian also russian and german yeah. maybe a bit english later <laughs> not too much yeah i have the feeling that it works well and i will see yeah i think that's a good plan yeah the thing is when you become a parent you get so many different advices from everywhere. Everybody knows how to do it the best way. Everybody knows what's the best for your kid. And I think that nobody knows better than the parent. The parents know what is the best for their kids because we feel them, we see them, and we communicate with them on such a such an intimate and intense way. We learn the body language the language of the face of the mm-hmm. voice of everything and i think there is a natural feeling of what is the best for my baby in every mother and i think that a mother can be sure about that what she thinks is right that this is the right thing for the baby of course it's good to have advices and to have support and form like advices but it's important to do it the way you think it's right. That's true. <laughs> also no. because the advice that worked for one parent with their child might not be the advice that works for you and your child because your child is different. Of course, every child is different, like every person is different and you have to find out what is the best for your child and you feel if your child is happy, if it feels comfortable or if it need something you you figure it out and you know it better than every other person in this world so the final decision i think it's should be always a decision of the mother but at the same time i don't think that there is a perfect way to be a parent i'm sure that i'm also not the perfect mother and i will do maybe mistakes and whatever but i try i try to be a good mother for this child and i love him so much and everything what i do is for him so you have motherhood on the one hand you record Mm. cds and you also are touring i was looking at your upcoming tour you're going across germany you're going to the netherlands yeah what is coming up for you in the rest of the year olga actually i'm very happy to tour and I'm really happy to be on stage and I travel sometimes together with my family sometimes by myself when I'm not more than like two days out of my home and yeah I'm looking forward so much to play a solo program with uh, Beethoven, Mozart, Schumann, of course Chopin and (laughs) different other composers I'm looking forward to perform Beethoven concertos this year. I'm 
artist in residence this year with the Staatsorchester Braunschweig and there will perform Beethoven Fourth Piano Concerto and with the Royal Orchestra of Prague, Akumetius uh, Vastar will perform the third piano concerto by Beethoven and soon the next concert is in a couple of days I will perform both piano concertos by Frédéric Chopin and one day later in Wiesbaden and Kurhaus with Philharmonie Baden-Bahn will perform uh, the first piano concerto by Chopin. These are yeah, concerts I'm looking forward to so much and all informations on my website if you want to come you are very welcome. <laughs> And the best way for people to keep on top of what you're doing is to check out your website, olgashefs.com, as well as you have a very active Instagram and Facebook. Yes, most of the time I'm active in Instagram and I try to read all the messages and to reply to all the messages. And it's really nice for me to have such a direct contact with people who visited my concerts or people who are going to visit my concerts or listen to my recordings is something that makes me really happy to be in contact with these people so directly. This is what I love social media for, that we can like communicate in such an easy way and I can post and like tell what's happening in my life right now. And yeah, sometimes I take little breaks and I'm like two weeks out of social media, but then I'm back again and yeah, happy to see everyone there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be sure to tell my boyfriend's friend. He can also send you a message since you read all your messages apart from just liking all of the things you post. <laughs> okay, happy to hear. <laughs> <laughs> I try to yeah, answer all of them. Sometimes I just not checking my Instagram because I travel and but yeah. <laughs> I try. Well, thank you for making time for me today, Olga. I love talking to you and listening to you. It's been amazing for me, so thank you for your time. Thank you for the very nice questions. <laughs> Being here. Okay. Thank you, Olga. Thank you. It was a pleasure. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> So please be sure to visit Olga's website, olgashefs.com, spelled out O-L-G-A-S-C-H-E-P-S dot com, or follow her on Instagram or Facebook, where her username is also Olga Sheps. You will find links to her website and social media in the show notes on beautyiseternal.com. Don't forget to hit subscribe if you've enjoyed this podcast so you can hear more just like it.